0: Hey, let me be be the first to uh, look at each and every one of you and say uh, Merry Christmas to all of the campuses. I'm so glad you are here. It's hard to believe Christmas is here. And uh, I want to be the first to say that to you, but I also want to invite you to do something. I want to challenge you to this Christmas season, make sure the first gift you give is to Jesus. Never quite said it like that in 17 years of uh, this church. I've never quite said that we're all going to be buying gifts and doing all of that. What if in Christmas 2019, we made sure that the first gift we gave was to Jesus and his church? I'm talking about the Christmas love offering. I won't spend much time on this, but let me just let you know that we do this every year. We're really, really excited about the Christmas love offering this year. And because God has given us such sacrificial gifts, what we do every year at the end of the year is we try to bring back to God a Christmas love offering. Offering. Here's what's happened in the last year. Over 600 people have accepted Jesus Christ at New Hope Church. They can just leave that up there for a moment as I say a few things. Look at that scripture, great scripture. 267 people were baptized this past year. Every week, over 500 children are in Hopetown environments. 80 students serve this movement weekly, and 526 people went through the inaugural semester of Rooted. On top of that, we're currently building a Hope Center in Kenya, and on top of that, we're trying to secure a place to build a Hope Center in Durham, North Carolina, which will be regional and be for the benefit of New Hope in all of our campuses. And so why don't you... Join me in making sure that our very first gift this Christmas season is a financial gift to New Hope Church so that we can continue to lift high the name of Jesus and reach, teach, and release. Amen? Amen. Hey, um, have you noticed how Christmas tends to get more complicated every year? I don't know what it is. I, I think as you, as you get a little older, it tends to get a little more complicated as well. Like how many of you, come on, show of hands. How many of you have put your Christmas decorations up? Okay, that's pretty good. Guess what? The, the Kelly's have not even discussed it. And you're like, that's not like you. I know like, I'm always the guy, Amy Lynn's the purist, like she never wants a decoration up until after Thanksgiving. And I've kind of come to be okay with that, but I'm the guy who likes to start early. And right at, I mean like the day after Thanksgiving, we're going to the attic, man, we're putting all the Christmas decorations. We literally haven't even talked about it this year. Now, Now look into my eye, look into my eye. Do you see any care whatsoever? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I got a dog or Thanksgiving was late this year. Like, How many of you got your tree up? Tree people, tree people. All right, you're doing good. We are way behind this year and don't even care about it. When you were young, Christmas seemed to be a lot easier, but now it just seems to get more complicated along the way. Then you get kids. Have you noticed this? And it gets way more complicated. And then some of you, unfortunately, a divorce has entered into your family. And then it gets way more complicated. Single people, if you're single, when you get married, trust us. Christmas will get more complicated. Who are you going to be with? Which side of the family? If you're not careful, you'll let them wear your butt out because you will go from home to home to home. And then again, if you got a divorce, then you got four of those and you go to all that and this is like so stinking complicated. And then this shopping. Christmas gets real complicated for dudes because we have to shop and we don't like to shop. And then it gets more complicated because our wives lie to us. Listen, dude, if she says to you, hey, don't worry about it. I don't want anything for Christmas this year. Cursed, cursed is the man who believes that lie. You know what I'm saying? It it, it just gets hard, man. In fact, I recently heard about a woman who was checking out at a a mall department store and as she rummaged through her purse looking for her wallet, she pulled out the TV remote control. And the cashier said, do you always carry the remote control with you? She said, no, but I just decided that I had to and it must be the, the most evil thing I can do since my husband would not come shopping with me. Man, that was a hardcore woman. <laughs> and then on top of that, it gets complicated because you know the, the best gifts are those that are unexpected. Am I right? I mean, like when 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 he or she tells you what to give them, and then they they, they like this is what my kids do these days, and I'm not complaining because it's actually a beautiful thing. It's quite easy. When my kids send their Christmas list to us now, they send it electronically, and they include the links. On where to go get the gift. (laughs) Praise God. I mean, that's awesome. Because like I said, I hate to shop. There's nothing I despise more than shopping, right? But the whole idea of Christmas just tends to get more and more complicated. And if they don't tell you what they want, it's really, really hard to figure it out. And yet the greatest Christmas gifts are those that are unexpected, Let's get into the word today as we talk about this idea. We're starting a brand new series today called Foretold. Everybody say, Foretold. Foretold. Don't know if you um, are aware of this or not, but in the Old Testament, there are anywhere between 456 Old Testament prophecies to slightly around 500 or slightly over 500 Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled impeccably in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Prophecies that were given thousands of years before Jesus were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And in this series, we decided, you know what? We're gonna actually look at those prophecies and we're gonna actually go to school on, on the way in which God fulfilled those prophecies. So let me go ahead and tell you on the front end, this is gonna be a little more cerebral than normal. You guys okay with that? Put your thinking caps on today, okay? Grab that pen in front of you. Grab those teaching notes that you received on your way in or right in your journal or on your phone or whatever the case may be. Now, interestingly enough, again, last week when I wrapped up the grit series and I got us to look at the cross, at the grittiness of God, I tried my best to teach you about this really big word that you don't hear much in normal conversations, and you really don't even hear it much in religious circles anymore. The word is propitiation. I didn't ask you to say it last week, I don't think, but let me just challenge you a little bit today, you ready? Get get your tongue working, get your mind working. One, two, three, propitiation, good job. Propitiation, you might recall from last week, is the, the notion in scripture where God averts God's anger, God's justice from me, like I deserve to be dead, doomed, dead in my sin, God is holy, God gave me life, I am a sinner, but because of God's great love for us, propitiation teaches that God has averted the judgment and judgment and justice that should be mine, he has averted it to his son, Jesus Christ. That's why Paul would say things like this in Romans three twenty five, And I'd love for you to read it out loud with me ready go God put forth Christ as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over our former sins That's what propitiation is. He's passed over our sins and put the weight on Christ. I said this last week. Propitiation means someone's anger is averted, satisfied, poured out on someone else, resulting in what, church? Grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Now, when the Bible says God put forth Christ as the propitiation, it is saying that Christ was the scapegoat. It was saying that you and I deserve the hit, but Christ took the hit for us. It was truly an example of God's perfectly and unexpectedly giving of a Christmas gift exactly what we needed when we needed it the most. Now, check this out. This is the connection I'm making between last week and this week. The propitiation of Christ taking the hit for you and taking the hit for me was unveiled, was prophesied, was declared thousands of years before Jesus Christ came. And there's an interesting nugget of it that we're gonna camp out on today, and you heard it read earlier at all of our campus locations, but in my opinion, it bears repeating. This time, I want us to read it out loud, but it is this idea of Jesus being born of a virgin. Isaiah 7:13 through 14, Really loud like you did last time. Let's go. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Verse 14, ready, go. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel which means, of course, God with us. Now, talking about a perfect, unexpected gift that God gave thousands of years ago that was prophesied even more thousands of years before that. Unbelievable. Now, let me see if I can just unpack today this whole notion of a virgin birth. I know some of you um, might not have ever really even thought about this idea of Jesus being born of a virgin. Others of you, let's just keep it real for a moment. Others of you have struggled with believing it and you're not even sure you do believe it. But again, put your thinking caps on and let's try to unwrap, if you will, this perfect, unexpected gift of Christmas. To do that, you must first and foremost understand what I want us to call today the fallen human condition. The what, church? The fallen human condition. Like today, humanity has always needed a savior. Humanity needed hope because God gave us free choice. If you've ever looked out at the world and go, why is it so jacked up? Why, when I watch the news or I go online, do I get depressed? Why do we continue to have so many school shootings? Why do nations continue to war? Why do I have all this junk up in my life? It's because God, when God created us, God gave us this thing called free choice. And ever since we received free choice, we have jacked this whole deal up. It's called the fallen condition. And you don't have to look far to find it. You ready for this? If you're looking for it, you ready for this? Look in the mirror. It's all up in all of us. And you're like, well, you don't know me, Pastor. I'm a pretty good person. Oh, I'm sure you are. <laughs> but compared to God's holiness, you are a sinner. You're like, I didn't come to church to hear that I'm a sinner. Sorry. Sorry. Picture a totem pole of righteousness, okay? Totem pole of righteousness. Who's your your moral hero? Mother Teresa, where would you put her? Kind of near the top, she was pretty awesome. Billy Graham, where would you put him? Martin Luther King Jr., where would you put him? Muhammad Booth, I mean, I could go, Nelson Mandela, where would you put him? Benji, where would you put him? Way down here. (laughs) Right, wherever you put your moral hero on the totem pole of righteousness, there is still a gap, there's still a gap between you or that person and the holiness of God. That's the whole notion of a fallen condition. If you want scripture instead of my words, which you always should, let's read this out loud, Romans 3, 24, out loud, really strong at all the campuses, ready, go. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? All. every Everyone. We are by nature sinful. And the wages of sin, this is what you gotta understand, it doesn't matter how good you are, even for the best people, the wages of sin is death. We're all like that goofy commercial that first aired in the 80s, but it tends to cycle back around the Lifeline commercial. The goofy commercial where an elderly person has fallen off of their rocker, if you will, and they're on the ground. And they say, I have fallen and I can't get, oh, you guys, yeah, you you know it well. (laughs) Every time you see that from here on out or you think about it, that's the story of human nature. That's the story of the human condition. We have all fallen and by ourselves, we cannot, cannot get up. Look at Romans six twenty three. We just read Romans three twenty three. Look at Romans six twenty three. Easy to remember those, by the way. Remember Romans three twenty three, Romans six twenty three. Unbelievable the way they go together. Ready? Go. For the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is what? But circle and underline that but. That's a big but. I like big buts, and I cannot lie. That does not come from a godly place. That's just, that's just to confirm you that I am down on that totem pole. Oh my Lord, I am so sorry. For those of you who think you're up on that totem pole like you all high and fluting up there. on the, Listen, I'll, I'm just a poor sinner. Just pray for me. You can look down on me all you want. But God. Everybody say, but God. but God. That's a big but. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, come on, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death. Death but God took the propitiation and the anger of holy God on himself to save us. The wage of sin is death, but thanks be to God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Not only did God create us, come on, He gave us free choice, and in light of the mess we've made of the free choice, God responded with the most excellent, praiseworthy, unexpected gift we could ever hope for. We're going to call that today the gospel response. Write it in. The gospel response. We've got the human or fallen condition. We've got the gospel response response. I just want to tell you that it absolutely blesses me to see so many of you learning and taking notes and dialed in. Church is not a spectator sport. Can I get an amen? We are dialed into this. It is the gospel response. In the midst of man's hopelessness, sin, and death, God sent us a blessed Savior. That is what Christmas is all about. I put it in my notes this way, and you'll see it on the screen. Though the righteousness of God demands sin be punished and sinners receive their fair due, i.e. death. The love of God desired for us to be rescued and reconciled back to him through salvation in Christ alone. However, in order for that to occur, humanity had to be restored back to a state of sinless perfection. Stick with me here for a moment. That is, humanity must be made holy as God is holy. Why? Because we are sinful. The coming of Jesus Christ was God's propitiation, God's solution to the sin problem, the human condition. This was and is the gospel good news response. Now watch this. This is precisely where the virgin birth comes into play. This is precisely why the virgin birth had to come in to play. The only way for God to fully and divinely restore humanity back to the pre-sin condition. Let me just camp out on that for a moment. Don't ever forget that in the garden, when God created humanity, it was paradise. Now, granted, it was a short period of time, but it was paradise. Never forget that. If you don't start there, then we have a problem theologically. and That's why the scriptures are so clear. It was paradise without sin, but due to the free choice that God gave us, sin entered into the equation. And in order for God to restore us back to the pre-sin condition... The only way we could do that is to be redeemed and restored by a sinless Savior. The only way that a sinless Savior could enter into the equation would be that the Holy Spirit would impregnate Mary and not mankind. Are you with me? If it was mankind, sin would have entered into the equation, but it was as if through this illegitimate child, and by the way, it was seen as illegitimate in those days. It was a scandal. I mean, th- can you, how would you respond? If your daughter came home. Hey, yo, kind of got this thing growing inside of me. I'm pregnant. But don't worry, Dad. I- I'm a virgin. How would you respond? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was through what appeared to be an illegitimate child, Scriptures are clear, born of the Virgin Mary, by the Holy Spirit, it was through what appeared to be an illegitimate child that a legitimate Savior, a sinless Savior, entered into the equation and redeemed us back to God. Now, there are three critical theological implications for the virgin birth. How are you guys doing? Y'all doing good? Everybody tracking? Three theological implications of the virgin birth. Write them in there in your teaching notes. Salvation ultimately must come from the Lord. Salvation ultimately must come from the Lord. Now, I know you know that, most of you. We all know that and believe that, but I want you to see the pivotal role that the virgin birth played in that. Human beings can't save other human beings. We would have been no better off if God had just sent us another great human hero. Some of them tried to save us. They couldn't. Some of you have tried to save people. You can't. Only God can save. Because Jesus came from a virgin, the divine bloodline remained intact and deity was at work for the salvation of souls. Thomas Torrance put it like this. The fact that the son of God became man through being conceived by the Holy Spirit and being born of the Virgin Mary, that is not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a human father, but of God. Now, some of you who are biblically astute right now, you might be thinking of John one. I think it's around verse 12 and 13, where the Bible says to all who received him, who all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Remember this, born not of human descent, but born of God, John 1, 12 and 14. This was God's doing. This was not our doing. Second theological implication, write it in. The virgin birth also makes possible Christ's true humanity without inherited sin. The virgin birth also makes possible Christ's humanity without inherited sin. I just saw a big honking yawn from somebody. (laughs) This is the tension that I ride up here, but you know what? Stick with me. I promise not to make this feel like a cemetery. I mean, a seminary. Stick with me. The virgin birth makes possible Christ's true humanity without inherited sin. The fact that he was born of Mary, even a virgin Mary, shows us of his humanity. One of the doctrines of the Christian faith, and this is, this is gonna be some mental gymnastics. This is challenging, I admit this, but it is this idea that one of the main doctrines of the Christian faith, one of the key tenets of the Christian faith is that Jesus was fully divine, And fully human. The virgin birth speaks to the divinity of Jesus. Mary speaks to the humanity of Jesus. For the ex-Catholics among us. Might ruffle your feathers right here, but I love you. Mary was nothing but a human being. And and you, you can pray to her if you want, I guess but I wouldn't recommend it. Mary, Mary was a human, a special, special woman. God chose her, right? But let me tell you what, Mary needed Jesus just like you do. And Mary will not get you into heaven. Only Jesus will get you into heaven. Be very careful with Mariology. It is a false Doctrine, it's nowhere in scripture, it's like purgatory, nowhere in scripture. Hey Catholics, I love you. We're good, we're good. But I will teach this word. Amen. 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 But but the point is, and it's hard to hard to hold intention. It's kind of like the Trinity. Like, how do you how do you fully explain the Trinity? It's difficult. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three and one, one in three. Think about water, if you will. It can be steam, it can be liquid, right? It can be solid, ice, trinity. It's also challenging to hold this thing together with Jesus being fully human and fully divine. And if I were to venture to guess, I would imagine most of us um, have an easier time accepting Jesus as divinity than we do accepting that Jesus was also fully human. I think it's just because we've been in the church all our life and we worship Jesus and we should. And it's easy, Jesus is God, amen? Maybe I need to just camp out on that for a moment. If you ever wonder, like, I kind of get confused. Is Jesus, no, Jesus is God. God is Jesus, right? There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father sent Jesus through the Virgin Mary. But this, this whole idea is that, that most of us would, would probably have an easier time uh, grappling with Jesus being fully divine Many of us struggle with the idea of Jesus being fully human. But let me just tell you, in the same way I just spoke about Mary was human, Jesus Jesus was fully human while at the same time being fully divine. What that means is Jesus, come on, he threw up, I am certain, all over Mary and Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) What's it called? I remember several of our kids did. Projectile? Like... Who knows? Jesus might have been one of those long throw-uppers. Ah. Listen, Jesus, get you some of this. I know some of you never imagined. Jesus went to the bathroom. Somebody you like, you're messing with my theology. Good. Listen, you know that old hymn? I'm sure we're gonna sing it in December. Away in a manger? Yeah. Should I sing it for you? No. no. <laughs> remember, remember, <laughs> remember that part? No crying he makes? <laughs> That's malarkey. That was written by a songwriter who, who, like I said, could could really take the fact that Jesus was divine, but couldn't really handle the fact that he was fully human. No, no, Jesus wept. Jesus cried as a baby. Jesus also wept as an adult. The full range of human emotions, which is great, because we have a savior who can relate to us. We have a savior that we can relate to. Jesus got mad. Remember when he went into the temple? turned over the tables, ran them out with cords. You're turning my father's house into a den of robbers. No, 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 no. Jesus was as much fully human as he was fully divine. J.I. Packer put it like this great quote by a great theologian, by the way. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the incarnation. We marvel at the birth of Jesus this Christmas season. It is breathtakingly beautiful. It is An unbelievably unexpected, perfect gift from God, by God, for us to be united back to God. But don't ever make the mistake of forgetting the fact that while, yes, he was fully divine, he was fully human. Number three, third and final theological implication of the virgin birth. The virgin birth made possible, this is key, the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. The virgin birth made that possible. It made possible the uniting, bringing together full deity and full humanity in one person. Jesus born of the Virgin Mary, but born of Mary nonetheless, and of the Holy Spirit of God. And because Jesus was both human and divine, check this out. He unites all of deity with all of humanity. So awesome. When you just stop and think about it. I've had the the privilege of standing in the Sistine Chapel a few times. I don't know if you've ever been there. But uh, Michelangelo uh, worked on the Sistine Chapel between 1508 and 1512. In one of his most renowned artworks of the high Renaissance period, Michelangelo painted what has been called either God-touching man, or maybe you've heard it God-touching Adam, or God and man touch. Some of you have been there in person, probably all of you have seen the picture. Here's the picture of the arms and the hand showing where God touches humanity. Now, I wanted to show you the larger picture, um, but in the Renaissance period, those dudes liked to paint everybody naked. And I just didn't think it was appropriate in church. And so I told my productions team that, and they said, oh, pastor, we got you. We got you. And so they did this this morning. (laughs) 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 Can you give the productions team some love? (laughs) Leave it up there for a moment. You see how... Michelangelo is capturing the deity and humanity coming into relationship. Now, Michelangelo was referring to the book of Genesis and lots of his artwork. He's showing depictions of passages of scripture in Genesis. But both times that I've actually stood there, I've actually, yes, taken it in as God and Adam but I also take it in as God in Christ. And you might say, well, how do you do that biblically, hermeneutically, how do you make that move? It's quite easy. As you read the New Testament, Jesus is the new Adam. You say, well, show me what you're talking about. If you look at Romans 5, 16, verse 18 and 19, the Bible says this. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, i.e. Adam. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. Do you see it? The free choice, the transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions Resulting in justification. Now, if you've got your Bibles open and you're teaching us, write the word justification. If you ever, ever have a hard time remembering what justification means, here's a way that you'll never forget what it means. Justification means it's just as if I'd never sinned. Justification, when God justifies you, it's just as if I've never sinned. And so through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life To all men. Watch this. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners Adam, Eve, the fall, the human condition, we are all sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Church, that's a good place for an amen right there. The Bible is saying through the choice of Adam, through the choice of humanity, we are all sinners God created Adam, then in the fullness of time, the Bible says, God sent forth Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, and in and through Jesus, when we receive him as Lord and Savior of our lives, even though we have sinned, and we plead the blood of Jesus over our sin, and we confess our sin, and we repent of our sin, we are justified, it is just as if I had never Sinned. This, <laughs> this is why we call it grace. This is why we call it mercy. This is the goodness of gospel. This is the gospel response. Come on. So God throws open the door of this world and he enters in as a baby. This is what Christmas is all about. Since you're in the thinking mode today, just ponder this for a moment and ponder it throughout December. God drew near as the most vulnerable, unimaginable, unexpected gift we could ever ask for. To which some of you might ask, why? Why did he do so? Because he wants unimaginable intimacy with you. He loves you that much. And Christmas rolls around every single year to remind us individually that you are so loved by God. What religion Has ever had a God that wanted this kind of tender intimacy with us, that He came with such vulnerability? What God ever came so tender, listen, listen, that we could touch Him so fragile that we could break Him? And we did so vulnerable that his bare beating heart could be broken. One who literally loves you to death. You you know what some of our problem is? Your problem is not that you don't love God enough. You've been told that too much. Your mama, your grandma, your daddy, your preacher in the past, you've been told your whole life, you don't love God enough. That's not your problem. Your problem is that you don't understand how much God loves you. He loves you so much that He drew near so that you could receive Him, have your sins forgiven forever, have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, so that when you pass from this world, as every human being has ever done you will go to a place called heaven where you will be united with God forever. Again, your problem is not that you don't love God enough. You just don't fully know how much God loves you. And I hope in this moment today You really take that in. I hope the gift of the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us, will have you walking out of a new Hope campus today, afresh and anew, maybe for the first time, reminded of how much God loves you. That's what Christmas is all about. Will you pray with me today? Father, um, I just never get tired of um, talking about your love for us. And I pray, Father God, that this Christmas season, that the people called New Hope, Lord, would, would draw near to a nativity, a manger scene, And God, that our hearts would be melted, that our spirits would be touched by just how much you love us. Father, I pray for the person here who who as a result of religion, God, has just been guilted their whole life as if they can't measure up. And on top of that, as if they don't love you enough. And yet the Bible tells us, oh God, that it is your kindness, That leads to repentance. May we, may we see this season, oh God, that our problem is not that we don't love you enough. Our problem is that maybe we haven't fully received, fully taken in how much you love us. If you're here today and that has moved you, if you're here today and The virgin birth and the gift of Christmas has just moved you. And as John 1, 12 and 13 says, to all who believe, to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of human decision, but children born of God. If you're here today, And you desire to receive the Christmas gift of Jesus. I'm gonna ask you right now, just without any further ado, just raise your hand. Just lift it up where you are. I wanna pray for you. Lift your hand up. I see you four folks over here. I see you folks in the back. Ma'am, I see you back here at the campuses. I'm sure there are folks who are acknowledging your hands being lifted up. More importantly, God's doing it. Raise it up high on this side. I haven't even gotten to this side yet. Yeah, praise God for you folks over here. Sir, I see you in the back. Three right down front here. Raise them up. Just lift. just lift your hands up to God. Raising your hands do not save you, but it is powerful to say, God, I receive you. If that's you. Just say, Lord Jesus, as John one says, I believe in your name, and I receive you as Lord and Savior, as Messiah born of the Virgin Mary, as the old creed would say, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day he rose again. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe and I receive you as the Savior of my life. Thank you for covering my sin. Help me not just love you more. Help me come to fully experience how much you love me. And we pray it all in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our savior. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Come on and all of our campuses celebrate salvation.